0: A doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a mad case loving you.
1: Doctor, doctor,
0: doctor, 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 and doctor.
1: It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Doctor Rashid Batar.
0: I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. <laughs>
1: doctor is in
0: taking on bureaucrats
1: and corporations
0: that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda the voice of health freedom and liberty robert scott bell
1: welcome back it is time to really ramp up advanced medicine monday our dear friend Dr. Rashid Batar is back from Down Under, and we were also looking forward to hearing from you down there, but uh, everybody understood how difficult it is, 16 hours time difference to make the links up, Dr. Bittar, but we're, we're excited to have you back on and looking forward to hear how it went.
0: Well, it's exciting to be back, Robert. It was it was a wonderful event, and it really was uh, somewhat difficult. I know we tried a couple of times to connect, and it was just uh, coordination of time was difficult. So. I apologize for that. Hopefully next time we can plan a little bit better.
1: Yeah, no, no one was too angry because they understood. They realized, I mean, as much as as they, they love you and want to hear you, they recognize as well the people of Australia need to hear this information directly as well. And I understand we were talking a little bit before we started that uh, they definitely found out you were there.
0: It was uh, very well received, Robert. They knew I was there, and it was a sold-out event. Actually, they changed the venue, made a larger Area for us to actually present, and even that got sold out. So, and even after that, apparently on clinic Facebook page, it was Mm -hmm. there were people that were upset that they didn't know about it in time, etc., etc. So, it was all in all, it was a fantastic event. that,
1: That was the one in Adelaide. Yes. Yeah, we talked about that. That's really exciting. So if we talk about the planet being a small place, I mean, obviously, it's a long way to go, and it's a long time to get there. But the reality is people are absorbing the kind of information we discuss each week and are very, uh, let's say, strongly supporting and wanting to know more. Of course, your book has been out there for a long time now, and it's really ramping up this. But the the cultural differences aren't as wide in terms of the the desire for healing.
0: Well, actually, the global society as a whole, is very receptive to the message that you put out every week and, and have been and uh, to the concept of prevention and nutrition and health and empowering the individual themselves to take over control, take back control over their own bodies, the the sovereignty of the body itself. It's a universal message, and it's very well received, and people hunger for it.
1: Well, the hunger is there, but, of course, also we have to acknowledge that there's still some within the allopathic medical community that haven't shifted consciousness. And I'm sure there may have been one or two docs you might have run into that says, okay, the worldwide, let's say, training or indoctrination of modern medicine exists even in Australia.
0: Well, absolutely. Without a doubt, there was a, there was a couple of different events. The the Adelaide University event was the one that was for the public, and then there was one that was specific for the world president's organization. They wanted a small private exclusive type thing. It was supposed to be a bigger event, including the young president's organization as well, but the, the world President organization just wanted to have it for themselves. And there were a couple of physicians that were there. I would say probably 95% of the audience was very pleased, came up to me afterwards, thanked me, but there was about 5% of the audience that was agitated, you know, visibly agitated. Couldn't say anything because the evidence that was presented with the video documentation essentially was irrefutable. So they, they didn't have much to say, but creating a disturbance in the audience mm-hmm. and uh, to the point that some of the other audience members had to ask them to remain quiet or leave. So, you know, you you, you always know that. And, and I prefaced it, actually, yes. by saying that for some people, this is going to be very well received and some people, you know, it's going to be... Antagonistic, and it's not meant to be so, but if it is, you know, so be it.
1: Well, that, you know, that's, it's, it's heartening though that, that it was the vast majority that opened up and are welcoming to this. And I, and I really believe that we are in the majority, even though for those that still watch a little bit of the old mainstream news, whether it be Fox, CNN, and all the like, they tend not to present this reality. So we have to, you know, hang out among ourselves and spread the word. And then when you get out amongst the people, like you did in Australia, you find that yeah, the message is getting out, even if it isn't fully embraced by the old media.
0: Well, that's very true, Robert. The The public event was not publicized, as I mentioned, but the majority of the people that came there were already open and receptive to this message. The The private event, the small private event, interestingly enough, most of those people are conventionally oriented. However, the person that invited me, to come down there and set this all up and, and sponsored the events and such. She's very well known within that small world president organization. She's a very successful business uh, lady. Mm-hmm. And the she actually opened up all the talks that I gave. She opened up them up and talked about her own story, which was very compelling in itself. And she was challenged with cancer, and she overcame it in a very strong manner. And so the audience there was aware of what her course had been. Mm -hmm. They were aware of her and had done business with her, and she was part of the organization for many years. And it wasn't just what she said, but the transformation in her physically was so compelling. I didn't even realize how big of a physical transformation she'd had until I saw some pictures of her from a few years back. And the recurrent question during the question and answer session was, what exactly did you do to this lady? Because she looks incredible. Hmm. And the coloration of her skin, her body habits, the entire configuration of her system, you know, the, in other words, before she was overweight, now she was in excellent condition, not slim, but physically fit. You could tell, you know, yes. muscles, she, she, just, she just looked great. And so the whole ambience was, was different. In fact, she had a fear of public speaking. And this was something that apparently some of the people were aware of. And she was so eloquent. She had no problem. She stood up there and she talked not for two or three or five minutes, but she talked for a good 25, 30 minutes. And she was just in such a flow. Yes. It was difficult to believe that this lady had ever had any issue with public speaking. But the point is that I think once you align your energy is aligned with what you're supposed to be doing on this planet. And she even mentioned this herself. Uh-huh. Things fall into place, and you don't have to fight it. You don't have any fear of public speaking or fear of doing anything else. It just, it just happens. It's a flow. And she honored her promise, which was that she wanted to let the world know that there were options. She remembered the trials and tribulations when she went through this process, not only the process itself, but also just of being made aware that she had this issue. And then the fear that is inundated – from the conventional standpoint, that you must have chemo radiation and surgery or or you're going to die. And she talked about these things. And she had told me that once her journey, this portion of her journey had ended, she wanted to help make the rest of the world aware. And I've had many people say this, but after it's all said and done, they forget or they tend to not want to go into a period of having to remember that experience again, which is understandable. It's almost like a post-traumatic stress disorder type flare-up. Sure, sure. And um, so I acknowledge the fact that she had honored that promise, and that's exactly what she did. And I think that journey, when she was going through it too, she said that she knew that there was a reason she was going through it, and you know she just did an outstanding job. I was very proud of her.
1: Dr. Batar, you mentioned aligning with the mission. People that come through these things are transformed. And the gift that they want to give often that they do, and in this case, as she did, it brings a voice where there wasn't before, as you said, a fear of speaking. Now, I might as a homeopath say she could have taken gelsemium, but it's bigger than that what we're talking about. You know, yes, homeopathic gelsemium is used for fear of public speaking, but we're talking about a lifelong transformation that suddenly you are in the groove. You are here now, what you are designed to do, and nothing can stop you from doing it.
0: Exactly. I believe that that alignment, Robert, I like to call it the life mission or whatever one's mission in life is supposed to be. And I've long believed that when it's our time, when people talk about when it's time to transition to the next realm, I believe it's because our mission, whatever we were sent on this planet to do, whatever our role was, has been completed. Mm -hmm. And that's when our journey in this realm ends and we go on to whatever the next realm is. But what's interesting is that when people do find that alignment, it's something that for them at least, and sometimes even for those that love them and that are close to them in within their close circle of influence, even for them, it's very evident that that person has made a shift and that alignment has come into play and things just become different. And I have seen this on many occasions when a person feels that they've come into alignment. And I, I'm sure you've also Sure. Felt that yourself in your own life. I know I felt that. Oh in my yes.
1: Life and- now, I was just thinking uh, to ask you about how do you see the nine steps to keep the doctor away? I mean, this is a book that keeps on giving that gift of healing to so many all around planet Earth. I mean, some people would say, "Okay, I've done it. I'm hanging up my, you know, my my hat. I'm moving on." Right, but it seems to be for you only deep, you know, getting to a deeper level of your mission here.
0: I think that personally, for me, Robert, it was a way to, one, help my existing patients to reduce the stress that they had because it seemed like all the patients that I have treated wanted to tell everybody else about it. And sometimes it would become very stressful for them because you can't be a preacher in your own house. And they were (laughs) trying to compel their mother, their father, their brother, their sister, their neighbor, their work associate to learn this information. And they would be challenged. And so one of the things was my goal was to make sure that they weren't stressed, and that's one reason we put together the Know Your Options DVD series, and the book was just an easier, more accessible way for pretty much everybody to access that information. That was one major reason that I did the book, but I didn't realize the book would take off the way it did, although, of course, it's probably the desire of every author that the book become that successful, but I just didn't think it was going to happen that fast, and that was a blessing in itself. Surprisingly, some of the people were had already read the book. Now, of course, there were many people that hadn't and wanted the book, and it's not available readily in bookstores in Australia mm. as it is here in the U.S. But uh, of course, anybody can get it off Amazon. But what was interesting was the uh, group that the World Presence Organization, the private group that I spoke to, uh, the people that sponsored the event actually got a copy of the book for each of these individuals in this organization and sent them a copy of the book a week prior to my presentation. And the pr- the person who was the host of the event, of that particular event, his name was Dave. I can't remember his last name now. But he was he's basically the MC and was the one who coordinated that particular event. We were talking before the event started. And surprisingly, I didn't realize he'd already read the book. Uh-huh. He said, oh, I got the book three months ago and I... <laughs> read through it. it's a fantastic book, and I actually skimmed over it again this week. Nice. And that was kind of nice to hear because I was curious why this guy was so warm towards me because I didn't know him, but he acted like he knew me. Right. And, of course, the book, I think, made that transition, and it was, it was nice to experience that.
1: Well, it's beautiful. I, I'm loving to hear this. So that's, the, that's the thing about the healing that transcends all of the cultures of the world. And, you know, the book's been translated into a number of languages now, of course. But in any way, the need out there is more than just a need within any one specific geographical region. We're, we're sharing the planet. We've said that you can make uh, perspectives that sound sort of. Uh, frou-frou and not solid, uh, let's say grounded. But the fact of the matter is you go all the way to Australia and you find the similar issues that are facing Australians that are facing us here in the West when we talk about North America, like autism, like cancer and these things. And so there's a similar struggle within there where the government has embraced big pharma and monopolized the healing realm, and yet they're looking for so much more.
0: It's true for all societies, Robert. And I think you and I have discussed this how the – Various components of the of the way the pharmaceutical industry has monopolized, as you said, the, the health industry or the medical industry, because actually, by definition, once they get involved with the medical industry, it is anything but health anymore. Yeah. But this is universal; it's in all the continents. It's in virtually all the countries. You know, you're talking about this aspect from Australia, but mm-hmm. remember that I have patients already from 72 different countries. So obviously, there's a there's a desire for this information and a need for this type of uh, information and services throughout the world. And it's becoming more and more evident. It's even becoming more and more evident to various government officials now. We're, uh, I've gotten unofficial notification that I'm getting a letter from the Minister of Health from Jammu Kashmir, which is a province in India, uh, requesting either assistance or requesting us to set up a clinic within their province. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time because if people truly – believe that the governments do want the best then it's only a matter of time before governments embrace this type of medicine because economically it's more feasible Uh, of course medically and and from a prevention standpoint the results speak for themselves and you know from a model perspective to set up a society it makes more sense because if you have healthier people you have happier people you have more productive people which helps to revitalize the economy which Creates you know more jobs more it's a whole cascade of things that goes on the healthier uh, a person and a a society is the healthier the economy will be and vice versa and I think we've talked about this before too the economy I think it's Mm -hmm. reflective of how people are doing physically
1: yeah you're right and and there is a global impact uh, and we would say almost in a negative context of how the economies have drifted from. So-called the pursuit of happiness, and we're going to talk more about that on the other side of this break. Guess who's back? Yes, Dr. Rasha Batar is back from down under. We're glad to have him here. Everybody's been looking forward to it. We got a lot more healing. In, in fact, there's a discussion about mercury I talked about on my show yesterday, and I'll bring Dr. Batar into that because oh my goodness, the old media is claiming mercury has nothing to do with autism. So I'm sure Dr. Batar will want to add some things for that as well. So stay with us. Lots more healing to go. <laughs> is so
0: good it requires no expiration date the robert scott bell show
1: back from australia dr batar is here with us advanced medicine monday a little medical rewind we're actually rewinding through his trip because i'm i am always fascinated about what's going on on this planet and you you mentioned a, a perspective on happier, healthier, etc., governments would comply with the, the, the will of the people, so to speak. Although we, we like the concept of a nation of laws, not the whims of men who want to control others, because we, we have descended in so many cultures, even in the West, that love liberty and freedom have kind of lost sight of that and said, oh, we need the government to take care of us. In fact, I had a really good caller on my show yesterday, Doc Batar, who is a, a, like a Green Party member. And he was mentioning that Michael Moore movie, Sicko, you know, and pointing out the inequalities within the healthcare system. But where they tend to lose sight of, of the reality is we don't want more government intervention. You know, that's what screwed us up to begin with. Whereas if we had the freedom to heal, like Dr. Ron Paul says, even back in the 60s, he was able to give freely of his services to those who couldn't afford it. He, no one was turned away. So we're looking for that balance of, of the ability to give freely of our services without coercion, and then charity can come back into this, yet we, we can't have that government force put in, whether it's a monopoly. We don't want a monopoly of natural medicine either. We'd like to see freedom.
0: Absolutely. Uh, without a doubt, Robert, this is a truism. You know, It cost me $7 million to fight the medical board over a three-and-a-half-year period. But, you know, before that, I was able to take care of certain patients that was, it was easy for us to take care of people that couldn't afford it. And, in fact, my staff would identify those people. Now, not everybody. And of course, some people would come in driving their Mercedes, wearing their Rolexes, and, you know, <laughs> didn't want to pay for treatment. Yes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that truly needed help. And, and most of the people that really help have help, they, don't, they refuse it when you offer it to them and we still took care of it. But um, you know, it really reduced my ability to be able to do that mm-hmm. after this huge battle. And I think that what Dr. Ron Paul, as you mentioned, you know, to be able to give freely of his services, what, what he did and, and what many doctors do, it makes it a lot easier to do that when you have the freedom of practicing medicine and, t- and taking care of people people that are seeking out the type of treatments that you're doing uh, and even the conventional side you know if, if that's what they want that that's fine they can get it but then you don't have to have these expenses where you mm-hmm. have to fight boards and you have to hire attorneys and you have to deal with regulations that are absolutely ridiculous in fact th- some of this, you know fighting the standard of care that's this illusionary mm-hmm. uh, imaginary standard I mean what is the standard on it's based upon whatever the whim is whatever the pharmaceutical studies have Shown, you know, that this is what you should do. And, and yet it's not a standard. I mean, it's like, show me the written standard. There is no written standard. It changes almost like the whim. It's almost yes. you know, so absurd to, to create these so-called standards of care. And then those that aren't indoctrinated and don't follow the ridiculous dogma of this standard then are persecuted, and it costs them money, and so then they can't end up doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, as in my case, as far as helping those that that couldn't afford it. Well, in other words, it's creating a burden mm-hmm. on society, and it's not just in medicine; it's in all facets of society. It, the regulatory aspects create a burden that then people have to comply with, which takes additional resources and time that reduces the ability for these organizations and entities and individuals that would normally be able to give x amount. Free that they can't because it's a greater burden on them now because they have to deal with all these regulatory issues.
1: Well, the truth becomes that the government is actually, in this case, snuffing out freedom in the guise of protecting people from what? themselves, perhaps. We talk about the FDA as, you know, one pariah organization that is dysfunctional by almost from the word go, even though Harvey Wiley at the beginning of the 20th century had set it up because he really was sincere about wanting to keep the food supply in America pure and safe from additives, for instance, synthetic uh, German organic chemistry, as they called it, the food colorings that set the stage for cancers and things. Yet now we have an FDA that approves the forms of medicine that are responsible as, depending on your, how you read the stats, the third, second, or even first leading cause of death. So when people would say the argument to Dr. Batar, well, Dr. Bittar, you're, now you're wanting a free-for-all. Everybody's going to die in the streets. Listen, they're already dying in the streets because of the monopoly and the regulations, uh, just disavowing any innovation, as you said, beyond what's called the standard of care, which is just a made-up name for whatever we, we don't like or is not lobbied into existence.
0: And that's it. It's it's actually it comes down to the industries that lobby for whatever whatever they want the standard to be. It, it comes down to who has the most money and who can lobby the most and. and- who has the longest endurance factor and, and can dish out the money to create these so called standards?
1: Yeah, lobbying the regulations that would seem to be beneficial for all, but it tends to only benefit a certain small subgroup or, or industry, and then they use the force of government. And think about it you said six, seven million to defend yourself and to go back after the board. All of the people that you were able to care for freely, like you said, via charity, now that's been taken away until that can one day be built up again. And in a case where even the so-called wealthy people don't fear for their future as much as they do today with the way they're destroying the the integrity, if there is any, of the fiat dollar, uh, you had those people that would probably – I imagine some of them would actually pay for others to get care. If you ever heard of people like in drive throughs although this is kind of a bad example, they'll pay for like the next two people coming through the drive-thru, right? And it's like – wow, they didn't have to do that, but they felt they could and they did. That that kind of thing was happening more regularly in terms of he- helping the poor to get care.
0: We've actually had that happen in our office, Robert, where a patient will be checking out and they will see or hear off another patient uh, that doesn't have the same resources and they've had the Opportunity to meet that individual and and make the assessment themselves. Not that the person was saying, "Hey, I don't have any money, anything like that." Sure. And then as they've come out to check out, they've actually told my staff, "Just take care of their bill, or you know, put this towards their bill." And more, a lot of times, it's done anonymously. In other words, right. we know my staff knows, but they have, the person has requested that please don't tell that other patient that it was me that did it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it comes back to me, so I know. Well, there
1: is existing deceit and and those that are are so-called greedy and selfish. I mean, some of that can be chalked up to the the defending their own wealth if they feel like they're being attacked. But I'm not here to excuse those that aren't, let's say, uh, uh, abundant in consciousness and not, uh, let's say, generous in this way. But what you're saying is that the existence of this happens without – those people that paid it forward in your clinic for others, they weren't held by gunpoint by the government saying, be charitable or else. I mean, they exactly. Did. And, and, and exactly. there's this, this viewpoint that people would not, of their own accord, make those decisions, and that's often coming from the left that want to use charity by stealing from somebody rather than the generosity of spirit.
0: Exactly. And the, this deceit and greed aspect that we hear about so much in the popular media – we rarely hear about the positive aspect. And I guess it's because they say that bad news sells better than good news. Uh, so that may be the reason that you don't hear about the generosity and, and the um, openness of that uh, some people show and exhibit. But I have seen it firsthand in my own clinic. And I think that it apparently, um, as much as maybe popular media would not want people to know, I think it exists as much as the other extreme.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that we – have to do a better job all the time of relating these stories because maybe it will spark someone who believes right now that, only government can make this happen, right? Charity, only if government could could intervene more because there are a lot of people that will see half of the disaster that is the so-called healthcare system today in America and much of the West where it is a medical monopoly, but they don't get the other half that facilitated it was in fact that government sanctioning a monopoly and that if we roll it back in reverse course and allow the innovation – the freedom to you know flow back into all the healing arts that, in fact, homeopaths can work alongside, allopaths can work alongside, naturopaths and herbal. You know, all of these things don't have to be, let's say, exist in a vacuum and nobody can interact with one another. That we find everybody benefits by that cooperation, but it voluntarily, not by force of a gun.
0: And, and Robert, the thing is that when you're doing well and you you have abundance and you don't have somebody breathing down your neck and making you jump through hoops of fire that are virtually <laughs> impossible to. To jump through, you know, half the time and the other wow. half of the time are absurd to jump through, and and we're not just talking about medicine here. We're talking about every industry now. We, you know, whether it comes to manufacturing, you know, you talk about the GMP standards, you talk about the legal system, you you talk about the finance system, whatever the the cases are, and of course, we do want to. Make sure that people don't take, get taken advantage of. I, I was using the same example before, and somebody said, "Well, what about the mortgage industry? You know, right?" Uh, that's why the government's trying to prevent this from happening. And I said, "Look, you need to look back and see what actually happened. It's actually the banks and the government that created this mortgage issue. It wasn't the small, the mortgage brokers and such. They, they're not the ones who who they're the scapegoats, but they're certainly not the ones that are uh, the cause of this of this significant imbalance. It's the economic policies and procedures that were put into place, but." Coming back to it, once a person doesn't have these burdens that they have to deal with, you know, you feel good about what you've done and you have abundance that you can share with people. Mm -hmm. But when you're struggling yourself and you're having to um, just keep your head above water to survive, it's difficult to think about the other person that could maybe use some help when you yourself are struggling. You follow what I'm saying?
1: Oh yeah. Absolutely. And this is this is a whole transformation that can only occur when you know humans interact with humans as opposed to artificially, synthetically or even through the old news whereas you say bad news sells better. So you have this viewpoint of all of humanity, kind of like the way the media is portraying Iran right now as this great enemy of America. They're going to attack any day. They're going to wipe it. And it's like the drums of war are beaten. I just saw like three. Well, see, it was two Republicans, one Democrat or independent, you know, saying, oh, my gosh, we're willing to use force. We're going to stop Iran. It's like, holy tamale. This do we ever learn? And that's where if we only get our news from witnessing things like that, we wouldn't realize that there's a huge movement back for peace and I don't mean naivete in peace I mean strong defense but real peace and recognizing everybody doesn't want to kill us but it takes stepping out of the consciousness or lack thereof of the old media again
0: well Robert I think the vast majority of the population already knows it I think it's again the popular media pushing and shoving information down our throats trying to make us believe it because as you said more and more people are becoming resistant to the fraud Mm -hmm. Um, they won't even watch the news they refuse to look at it they don't rely on the popular media anymore they look at other venues of information and i think that it's almost like the desperation is reaching new heights yeah where they, have, they feel compelled to try to put this misinformation out, but I think also the people of the world, not just of our own nation but people of the world, realize what happened already the last couple of times we've used this excuse you know we had the the Korean War and the Vietnam War, and then of course we had the first and second the Gulf Gulf wars yeah. conflicts we've had some smaller skirmishes in between, but now, when you look at the facts the facts with the the last Gulf War. Where were the weapons of mass destruction? And as that blowback video that Ron Paul's mm-hmm. uh, team put out, you know, they said the insiders <laughs> of Washington said, well, we know they are weapons of mass destruction. We have receipts.
1: We, we sold it to so, them, right?
0: Yeah, so you know, that type of information now, if, if there is something that happens in Iran, I think the vast majority of people know that we had some interest to go in there. We had some, you know, the so-called strategic interest. It wasn't strategic interest in the...
1: Well, protecting just and defending
0: the, protecting the U.S. Exactly. Right,
1: exactly. It's a, yeah, it's a different.
0: It's a strategic interest from an economic standpoint.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we've talked about this in terms of money. And, and I mentioned yesterday, I was watching CNN in the morning a little bit, just catching it, see what's out there. What is the consciousness receiving, so to speak, from the old media? And there was this guy, I think his name is Seng Yugar or something, I don't, I don't know. And he was talking about how wonderful it is that the European Central Bank flooded Europe with new euros out of thin air. You know, because that salvaged everything, much like the Fed did in America, not recognizing that they've just made the disease more chronic and more suffering and destroyed more of the middle class and turned them into poor people. So there is a lot of misinformation, mis- misunderstanding in the media because they might be sincere in it. I don't know. I don't know this guy. But he talked like he, he wow, he really was thankful for the, the euro I- inflation. And I, I think their, the, the, their faith in these institutions is very misplaced because it was all of the government uh, regulation of it facilitated, for instance, the mortgage nightmare and the housing bubble.
0: Yeah, it's, it's almost like they don't recognize that they're just delaying the inevitable and to allow the system to take on what it's supposed to do, you know, the, the natural evolution of things. As I've said before, n- nature does not tolerate something for nothing for very long. Mm-hmm. And in the history of man on this planet, you know, the, the current thought process of salvaging everybody and everything Mm -hmm. is but a blip of an instant in human evolution, in human history. And um, we know that when you look at nature, it it just doesn't, you know, you you allow the right things to happen and you assist when you need to, but to do it the way that we've been doing it, to facilitate everything, it's just like erecting a house of cards and even the slightest breeze eventually will just blow it all away.
1: Yeah, which is why, of course, we cover all the things we do, not just physiological health and healing, but if we go back to that, and we're going to take a break in just a moment here, Dr. Bittar, the idea that detoxification is a primary cornerstone starting point, just like it is with the economic mess and the mortgage crisis. It's detoxing, as Ron Paul said, the bad assets have to be you know, basically eliminated because they're, they're a toxic burden to the movement forward and the healing of the economy, much like a cancer patient or an autistic child is is carrying such a toxic burden if you don't start there you'll miss the real healing that has to come later that is the rebuilding of the situation which you talk about in the nine steps to keep the doctor away so we're going to come right back with more of dr batar including there's more fraud in the media about the autism link to to, uh, mercury which they're claiming doesn't exist we'll set the record straight after this
0: Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert.
1: Advanced Medicine Monday continues here, Dr. Batar, and he doesn't have an Australian accent. I guess you weren't gone that long.
0: No, I wasn't gone that long.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> it was enough to try to say, good day, mate, you know, and all of that. But they really are fun people, and I'm so glad you you got there and back. You're safe and sound. I know it's a little jet lagged and bleary. Your your body may be off off kilter on time zone, but we're glad that you didn't wait to come back. And here we are coming back to the lies of the old media and the studies that they're claiming. Mercury again ruled out as autism cause. We have it linked up through the news at, Ro- at Fox News. In fact, on the blog today, robertscottbell.com. Doctor Batar, of course, mercury and autism, nothing to do with one another, right?
0: Yeah right. <clears throat> you know this is an uh, this is a preposterous uh, study. I'm trying to figure out who wrote this article. It's interesting now that some of these things aren't even written by an author that'll put their name to the Mm-hmm. the articles have you noticed that
1: oh yeah they can't because they will be they'll be called out so quickly i think this is just a conglomeration of public relations firms tying things together to sound a certain way they yeah. say that my health news daily is a tech media network company what does that mean it just means it's it's digesting and agglomerating language in a way that makes it perceived to be one thing when it's absolutely the opposite
0: well that's exactly what they did in this particular study robert
1: well yeah dissected for us on one level they say oh, it's all about urine but we also know that Kids that are mercury toxic may not be urinating the mercury out.
0: Well, first of all, I use urine challenge uh, and urine tests all the time. And in adults, that's my mainstay. But in children, I do look at fecal hair and red blood cell elements as well Mm -hmm. and it's only because the vectors that i'm looking at because i'm trying to catch this can vary in each different child in fact we did a little study and we submitted to lancet which did not get picked up it was abbreviated study lancet used to have a rapid publication sequence set up to allow very pertinent information to get out quickly And when we submitted it, I think seven days or eight days prior to us submitting the study, they had changed their policy. This was back in 2008. And they no longer had that rapid submission uh, for a small limited study. And uh, the paper is available on our website. It had multiple authors. There was about nine or ten of us that were authors on this paper. Mm -hmm. And it was independently verified. The the data was independently verified by Paris Kidd, who you may know off. He's a Ph.D., and uh, he came out twice and uh, reviewed all the information, reviewed all the charts that we had used, and um, did all the statistical analysis. But what is interesting in this particular study, and by the way, that it showed clearly that aut- the mercury was related to all those cases. Mm-hmm. But the first thing we have to remember is that mercury, these children can't get rid of mercury as efficiently as normal, healthy, neurotypic children can. So it takes some time to start pulling the mercury out. That's, in fact, the whole problem. If you look at the study that was done and published in the International Journal of Toxicology back in two thousand and three, two thousand and four time frame, that study clearly showed that the neurotypic children had four Times the level of mercury within their hair as those that were developmentally delayed, those that had the autism spectrum disorder. And in fact, the more severe the autism, the lower the mercury Mm -hmm. in the hair. So people say, well, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense if mercury is a causative factor. But in fact, it does, because remember, hair is dead tissue. It's an excrement. So essentially what's happening is these kids could not get rid of the mercury. The neurotypic children, high levels of mercury, four times greater, that's good because they're getting rid of it. It's coming out of the body. But the children that had, Autism spectrum Mm -hmm. delay or autism spectrum disorder, or were somewhat, you know, whatever their level of autism was, they had far lower levels of mercury in their hair because their hair wasn't carrying it out of the system. It was Dr. Batar.
1: It it just dawned on me. I covered a story yesterday on the air about hairdressers having greater um, uh, levels of depression. And they claimed it was because they were listening to all the sad stories of the people who, whose hair they cut. It turns out it maybe they'd be exposed to so much mercury from the hair that they're cutting.
0: It, it very well could be. It, it very well could be. In fact, that's one of the things with um, dental hygienists and uh-huh. dentists. They have some of the highest level of mercury, and they, in fact, end up having a very significant problem with uh, suicide. In, in fact, I believe in the medical profession, health professions, they say that it's psychiatrists – dentists and dental hygienists that have the highest level of suicide
1: yeah well we we do know that the mercury link is there just that when you when you reference the excreting of those that are basically normal functioning the body finds a way it says hey let's get it out through the hair as well people are cutting it all every day whereas you said that was the thing about the urine test that i saw i don't know that they were doing any challenge test if they were just taking urine from from kids and saying oh there's no mercury here move along nothing to see
0: well, actually, the last paragraph says the study was limited in that it included a relatively small number of children, the researchers wrote. It also could have been improved by using urine collected over a 24-hour period rather than a single sample from oh, each child. My the 24-hour gosh. collections are difficult to accomplish according to the study. First of all, that's preposterous. We collect 12 to 24-hour urine collections in all our children all the time, and we have been doing so for 15 years. So it's absurd to say that for a study – that that was they difficult
1: right. when
0: we do it on a regular daily basis, and we're not even conducting a study.
1: Amazing, amazing. That's, I mean,
0: that's just preposterous, hocus pocus,
1: BS. That's right. just
0: ridiculous. The other component is that they talk about that it says over here that um, there were no differences between any of the groups in the concentration of mercury found in the urine. The researchers also noted that tests for other heavy metals such as lithium, manganese, cadmium, and lead were also the same across all the groups. The first thing is that it's important to note that nothing causes the denudation of the neurofibrils within the brain tissue like mercury. Although all these heavy metals are highly oxidative and they're damaging and they have their own set of problems, nothing, including lead, even though lead has been shown to decrease IQ, even lead does not create the denudation of the neurofibrils as mercury does. In fact, you can see this on our heavy metal toxicity, the hidden killer. You can actually Google on YouTube. Maybe you can even see the Mercury, uh, University of Calgary video of Mercury, what it does to the neurofibrils, and you can see the disintegration that it causes within the nervous tissue itself. I mean, this this study just goes, uh, or whatever, the the synopsis of the study just goes on and on, and it's just ridiculous. It talks about here that the aspect of thimerosal, but rates of autism have continued to rise after the use of thimerosal in children's vaccines after it was stopped in 2001 in the developed uh, developed world, according to the study. First of all, thimerosal was not stopped in 2001 by being put into vaccines. That is absolutely also not true. In fact, in 2003, the year before I testified in front of the U.S. Congress, Dan Burton, during his congressional subcommittee hearing, asked for criminal sanctions to be brought against the FDA and the FTC because they had multiple vials of vaccines Mm -hmm. that said they were thimerosal free, and yet when tested, still contained thimerosal. Yes, that was a very
1: important point to bring out, that you couldn't rely upon the very regulatory authorities that are supposed to save us and protect us when they were basically allowing that which to come through that supposedly didn't exist anymore.
0: Exactly. And in fact, when the Congressional Subcommittee on Human Rights and Wellness inquired of the FDA why it still had thimerosal in these vials that actually stated thimerosal free, they turned it over to the FTC and the Federal Trade Commission's response was that when you have a vial or a bottle and you add an ingredient to it, it must be disclosed. So they used to take the vaccine, put it in, they used to take thimerosal and put it in. But no longer do they do that. Now they actually don't add any more thimerosal to the vaccine. They use the thimerosal in the manufacturing of the actual vaccine, so when they put it into the vial... There is no thimerosal in there and so they don't have to disclose it, leave alone the fact that they're using thimerosal during the manufacturing process. And so it still contains thimerosal, but they don't have to divulge it because they didn't add it to the vaccine.
1: Right. Isn't that and so amazing? That
0: was the way that they yeah. got around it. And this is what Congressman Dan Burton in front of the whole congressional subcommittee, asked for criminal sanctions to be brought against the FDA and the FTC for skirting this issue and of course the media had never even picked it up. I mean this is a major, major point that's been you know, it's it's recorded in congressional records now and it's it's just Nobody even knows
1: about it. It's indisputable. It's not any question. And yet you have a study or a claim study like this that comes out to say definitively, well, see, we told you mercury has nothing to do with it. The Marisol didn't do it. And, of course, absolute lies. But then again, last week I had Charlie Brown on from Consumers for Dental Choice. He says, "Oh, you know, after everything they kept saying that they were going to release a final rule of some kind in November of last year, the FDA is completely ignoring even its own scientists who have not acknowledged the danger of mercury. They're ignoring them completely. So now they're having to go through international treaty to try and combat the mercury present in so much of the dental and medical profession.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I would want these researchers or the supposed researchers that I'm sure were paid to do this, Robert, in order mm-hmm. to – this is a, this is a uh, last-ditch effort trying to create a negative spin on on chelation because actually – The second to the last paragraph here is chelation treatments, which are sometimes given to children based on the idea that they may treat autism or improve its symptoms may pose risks to children's health. I'll tell you, the only risk that chelation poses to anybody's health is if the doctor doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Mm -hmm. And that's it only because it's going to pull out too much of the metal, too much of the toxicity too fast. And that toxicity coming in through the kidneys too fast, as we've discussed before on the the show, uh, can cause some types of problems. But... To compare that to to giving a child thimerosal or giving a child a vaccine that can tear in or giving a child a neuroleptic-type drug that causes neurotransmitter imbalances and causes all sorts of the cascades, it's, it's, it's actually, to say it's absurd or to say that it's criminal, this is evil. They yeah. are they are on purpose trying to say, see, this is what I mean by the difference between good and and evil. Mm-hmm. Here's a treatment that has, against all odds, against all Public misinformation that's been propagated and perpetuated against all financing of the pharmaceutical companies, against all efforts, against everybody that has tried to denigrate chelation over the last 40, 50, 60, 70 years, it has still persisted. Why? Because truth will persist no matter what anybody does. And so they're trying to, again – it's make the spin that chelation doesn't work. yeah, I, I've got over 1,600 cases in my own clinic to prove how well chelation works. I've got over 25,000 children worldwide that have been treated over the last nine years using our protocol that will show how effective chelation is. In fact, Robert, I have done this already with PBS. I've done this with Frontline. I've done this with 2020. I'm going to put it out in the Robert Scott Bell Show right now. Mm-hmm. You tell any organization out there, any group, you find 20 kids or 40 kids, I don't care, with autism, they find them. They send them to an independent university, let the pediatric neurologist make the diagnosis to confirm that they agree that these, are, these children all have this diagnosis. I don't want to have anybody coming to me that has been misdiagnosed supposedly later on once we get them better. They say, oh, well, we don't even know whether they really had autism. So you have these people yeah. from a third-party independent source, neuro, the neurological development specialists, pediatricians, I don't care who they are. They make the diagnosis and then you take those 40 and you have them define the worst 20 out of those 40. And I will take those worst 20. They take their other 20 and let's put them to a test and see which child, which children, which group of children does better. And I will say this. I will put out the – they can cover the story however they want. It must be aired on TV. It must be out there everywhere. But we will do it and we will show it. And I can tell you this. Though our children, the ones that we treat, even though that they will have independently been determined to be the worst twenty out of the forty, will be more than half of them will be neurotypic in, in within a year, year and a half.
1: Well, that's why Doctor Batar helps us rock the health world every week here, because he's got the experience, knowledge, and uh, passion, compassion, and integrity to do all that we love to do here on Advanced Medicine Monday. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to wrap up the Advanced Medicine segment with Doctor Bittar back from Australia. And we're so glad to have him on board. And we'll tell you how to get his book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, when we come back. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
0: Rocking the health world. To the power of radio, it's the Robert Scott Bell Show.
1: If you're new to the Robert Scott Bell Show and our special uh, way we kick off each week here on Mondays, Advanced Medicine with Dr. Bittar, you may not, you might be one of the few that don't net know about The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. It is amazing, bestseller. We've, we've covered it so many ways. You go back and listen. That's the beautiful thing. Thanks to Mike Adams, Natural News Radio. You've got hundreds of hours to, to re listen to, and every week we've got Advanced Medicine. And Dr. Bittar, on your site, you also have these special segments up for people to listen to anytime.
0: Yes, that's true, on medicalrewind.com.
1: Mm-hmm. And we have links up directly to the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Dr. Bittar, the Australian people, I mean, we've talked a little bit about your experience there. We didn't mention specifically the issue of autism. Is this a problem there? They're a very pro-vaccine government as well, just like much of the West.
0: Absolutely. There is a big problem. In fact, there were parents and um, individuals that – we uh, were upset that we were there and they didn't have adequate notice. That they weren't told about it because, you know, like I said, this was just something that wasn't even advertised. And they tried to get in and they couldn't. There was, uh, we, I think, we had 30 seats, o- or we were 30 seats oversold, and people were sitting in the aisles and such. But it was something that. I believe this is something that I believe uh, the issue of autism is something that I believe touches every family in some way, fashion, or form. If it's not the child in the family, then it's a relative, it's a cousin, it's a neighbor, it's a schoolmate, it's somebody, and it's all over the world. It's not just in the U.S., it's every single Mm -hmm. country has this. And the more inoculations that the countries have been giving, the more the push has been when the United States started sending. Vaccines over to China back in 2002, 2003, you know, in China, autism was relatively, you didn't hear that much about autism, whether it was a social embarrassment for families that they wouldn't report it, we don't know. But we do know this, that from 2002 to 2004 and sometime between 2002, 2003 is when we start shipping vaccines over there in large, large batches. And by 2004, there were over one million new cases of autism reported. Wow! And uh, you know, one thing that I've always said is, when we had this big issue with the lead coming back, it was just the Chinese just trying to repay us for what we did yeah. to them.
1: The car- yeah, the karmic loop, so to speak. Whether it was conscious or unconscious, the fact is, what we're doing matters. And of course, when we do evil, that matters, and is eventually going to come back and hurt us. So. Uh, trying to, to hopefully learn from from these mistakes, if we can call them mistakes. But if there are people that are c- condoning this evil, like we, we just covered that study on autism linked to, to mercury, and they're claiming that it doesn't exist. I mean, there are people that do this knowingly, and it's just disgusting. It turns my stomach when I hear about it. But yet we can we can at some point w- decide to use our energy to try and attack them, or we can just out create them by giving this kind of information out, which I find to be much more positive, and in fact much more effective because it's it, it, rather than inflaming the anger which i think they like to see because it wastes our energy we now can utilize and channel that anger into positive things and transform people that were once victims or would have been victims of this to a whole different future
0: well that's true robert but the thing is that let me tell you how this whole system works Mm -hmm. what what a response from one of these researchers would be well if you believe that autism has something to do with mercury then why don't you do the study, and prove it. And in fact, we've written stuff. We've tried to publish stuff. But as soon as you have the issue of mercury and any type of disease process that's neurological in nature, whether it be Alzheimer's, whether it be uh, autism, autism spectrum disorder, PDD, ADHD, Asperger's, whatever the case may be, they will completely shut it down. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that Dr. Robin Bernhoff who's a liver and pancreatic surgeon, who's a good friend of mine, came through my training program a number of years ago, back in 2005, I believe it was. We wrote a paper together. It was a 14-page paper in direct response to the, uh, to the Journal of the American Medical Association that put out a challenge that they wanted papers specifically to do with childhood disorders that had no known cures. And they wanted this paper to be submitted. It was a special June edition. I think it was in 2000. And if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was in 2008. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was 2007. We wrote this paper up. We had it completed. We submitted it well in time before the deadline. And here's what the response was. In fact, in the paper, the paper was entitled uh, Oxidative Stress in the Autism Spectrum Disorder Patient. And we, it was a 14-page paper. And in fact, Dr. Bernhoff went back and said, "No, Rasha, we got to take up." You know, he, he wanted to be very politically correct, even though right. he has a son that suffers from autism. That that's now, thank God, neurotypic, and and you know, he's gone through the TDD MPS and the treatment protocols. In fact, that's one of the reasons he came to our training program. Yeah. But Dr. Bernhoff. Um, reduced the level of mention of mercury specifically just towards the end of the paper. But it still sh- talked about the mercury. and talked the, impo- about the importance of removing the heavy metals, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Now, we had the word mercury in there. We talked about autism. Do you know that we submitted that paper on a Sunday night at 8 o'clock? I'm sorry, Sunday night at, at midnight East Coast time. So it was 9 o'clock on Pacific Coast because he's in California. Yeah. And by Monday morning, less than nine hours later… Yes, I had an email because I was copied on the email. I had an email in my box. Thank you for submitting your paper. However, after peer review, it's been found not to meet the criteria for publication. Now The peer review, if you look at it, it, peer review said that it would be three doctors that would review the paper. Now, are you telling me that from midnight Sunday night to Monday morning, 9 o'clock East Coast time, that you had three doctors review our paper and tell us it didn't meet the criteria for publication?
1: peer review – I know from from submitting papers as well with other doctors in, you know in in integrating these things, and sometimes it could take months to get all the docs to, in a line to review it. To tell me that happened in less than twelve hours. of course, we know now Probably that's the less religion than
0: nine hours on a Sunday that they put that yeah. up and you know you know what the peer review process was it 's a search. Uh, That does an electronic search, and it looks for certain phrases together. And you see mercury and neurological together, boom, it's not even going to be accepted. Exactly.
1: It's banned. And that's sham peer review, there's a lot of that going on. And I think the lesson here among many that we talk about is realizing that science has become a religious cult, not genuine science. But what we put out here every week is rooted in that science. As you, uh, Dr. Batara, we're so grateful every week, and we're so grateful you came back safely from the land down under with your wife. And are glad that that uh, you're doing well. I want you to get some rest here because we've got a lot more healing to do.
0: Robert, I appreciate it. I know we're probably running. Uh, if if you come back quickly towards the end, I think that means we're running short in time. So we're in
1: overtime, that. but it's always great to do. We squeeze every minute and every second we can with you, Dr. Bittar. We're so grateful for having you on here. Remember, the nine steps to keep the doctor away, all the links are up there at robertscottbell.com. If you're listening or downloading this, you'll also see a link right to Dr. Bhatar and the Medical Rewind on that page as well. Listen, we're going to be back next week with more powerful healing with Dr. Bhatar. so don't go away. In the meantime, just remember this, that the power to heal is yours.